Hello, and welcome to episode three of Let Creativity. This is your host, Alicia K. Hurst. Today's guest is Joshua Marquez, and I'm about to introduce him by reading a little bit off of his webpage because he describes it a lot better than I think I can. Um, He's a Filipino-American composer, guitarist, and sound artist whose music explores the liminal space between tone and noise as a means to investigate the complexities and duality of Asian American identity. Searing a sonic imprint of cultural identity, his investigations of the noise spectrum represent the struggles of alienation and assimilation through the fusion and fission of disparate timbers. And Joshua talks about all of those things during this conversation and much more. Uh, You are in for a treat, but you are also in for some really gritty reality, which is also very relevant right now, considering the violence that has been happening to Asian Americans during this time. So I really do hope that you sit tight and give Joshua your full attention because not only is he a humble guest, but he is very wise and talented and he explains everything very thoroughly and transparently, but also through his heart. So without further ado, Joshua Marquez. So Joshua Marquez, thank you for being a guest on Let Creativity Podcast. As usual, I like to start with asking questions about how your creative relationship started as a child and any influences that happened, whether positive or negative. So do you mind giving me kind of a a, a viewpoint or a, a picture of what that was like when you were younger? Yeah, so... Um... I grew up as a little brown kid in uh, in the South, in the United States, uh, out in North Carolina. When I was a kid, I didn't know what a composer was. I just thought like people made music and there was, there was no defined role. So when I was a little kid, my family had um, this antique business. And so we had a bunch of furniture and, and odds and ends that we would take to flea markets and convention centers and things like that and sell. Um, there were not many other kids there for me to play with. So I would just wander around flea markets and fairgrounds and things like that. And just look at, for a lack of a better word, like junk. Uh Um, And after a while, like some of these people got used to me, especially when I got a little older and they would get me to run errands for them. Like, uh, I can't leave my booth. So will you go grab me a sandwich? And they'll give me like $5 and I'd go grab them a sandwich and come back and they give me like a dollar tip. So I ended up doing this for a bunch of like antique salesmen and like junk dealers. And I would save up enough money to get little uh, like cassette recorders and I don't want to say noisemakers, but like little digital or, or sound objects or like little drums or something or little like keyboards and things like that. And I was obsessed with using uh, or with capturing kind of sound in this way. And I'd make like weird sound collages at the flea markets. I wish I still had, I have some of it somewhere laying around, but 
um, I was really interested in like capturing sounds like in the real world. And I think that's, that's amazing to play with my, uh, my work as a composer, both as like a sound artist or electronic musician. Uh, my improvisation is kind of kind of similar. And then my, my more composed work is, is kind of in this world of creating atmospheres. Um, but I would take like one tape recorder and hit record mm -hmm. and then uh, take another tape recorder and set it next to it and hit record on tape recorder number two and play back tape recorder number one. So I'm recording a recording and then I would layer on top of that with something else like another instrument or like my voice or something I made. Um, and I would do this like a dozen times. And at the end, it was not the greatest recording, but it was it was fun to layer and and learn kind of like through the act of play, this concept of like creating a dense atmosphere or like textures and timbres and um, something a little bit more complex than just like, not that playing piano is not complex, but you know, I get to really play with a lot of different sound in a really weird way. And, and I was doing this when I was a little kid and uh, I'm still doing it. <laughs> like some, <laughs> some several decades later, I'm still doing the same things. Uh, with sometimes slightly nicer equipment and sometimes not as nice of equipment that I was using when I was like eight years old, but. Uh, That's really, I mean, I mean, it, to me, that seems like a pretty de highly developed, I mean, you're calling it play, but the, to think of layering sound that way at such a young age just seems like uh, you may have been advanced at a young age. I don't know, but did you pick that up from anyone or was this just something that you were just naturally drawn to? Well, I think it's kind of like mixing colors or something if you're more visually inclined. Um, you know, like you, you don't have to be shown necessarily how to do that um, for somebody to like naturally gravitate toward it. So I think just listening to to like songs on the radio or, or something being played, um, you kind of go, okay, well, that's... Uh, you know, that's a guitar and that's a drum and that's a bass and that's a singer. Okay, there's four different things going on. Um, even before you might realize what multi-track like recording is, you can still appreciate the fact that it's, there's a layer to it. And, um, you know, I grew up as an only child and, and I had to entertain myself a lot. Hmm. Um, so, you know, that was kind of, a way for me to entertain myself and in like a cheap fun way I, I guess <laughs> and feel like I was doing something not that I, I had like a complex about like I need to make something but um it was a lot of fun for me it's still a lot of fun for me um and I can really still I can get lost I, I hope as much as I could when I was like eight years old but uh I can still pretty, get pretty lost in in the in the play process in the making process Oh, I love that. I love that you keep saying play because I think that is an integral part of creating it because if it's not fun, then I don't, I feel like there's something lost. Like, I don't even know if it, you're, you're creating, but I don't know if it's to the highest ability that you can unless that play element's there. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's, especially when you start like training a little bit more or like when you say, did you learn that from anybody? I think even even the, the best instructor or like mentor or advisor, whatever you want to call them, teacher can um, will positively and negatively influence you. Cause, cause sometimes you'll, 
you'll absorb some some bad habits, whether that be like um, the burden of judgment. I think it's very common within like a classical music world or um, I had I had somebody tell me there's a lot of ghosts in the room, mm. meaning, you know, if you write like a string quartet, how many great artists have written string quartets? Um, how are you going to size up to them? And I, I think I was in grad school and somebody said that to me and I said, I don't care. <laughs> I'm making it myself. Like, I don't, I don't care if it, if it matches up to Beethoven or Shostakovich or whoever, it doesn't matter. Um, and I just, I didn't have a big ego either. I was like, if it's never played or if it doesn't size up, it, I'm, I'm doing it because it's fun. And if you're not having fun and you, if you don't love what you do, you have to reevaluate that. Um, at least that's my, my philosophy. And, and I've picked up a lot of bad habits and um, I feel like I have to maybe overcompensate and play, which is why I do a lot of free improvisation um, mm. as like a performance, but also as a, a generative process or like a, I don't like to use the term pre-compositional, but pre-compositional process of like before pen goes to paper, how do you find inspiration and, and just losing yourself in the act of to use the word again, play is really important um, for me. And you keep saying you picked up some bad habits. Where do you think you picked up those bad habits from? Is it like just people or your own, you know, your own habits? Uh, was it a certain time period? Um, well, when you pick up bad habits, you also pick up really great habits. And I think the the habit which I really like of being critical and that's not necessarily being like mean or pessimistic or like negative but having the ability to critique your work um, as an artist and reflect on it somewhat objectively if you can is a good and a bad habit sometimes you just have to let it go and I think the more we train especially in music because we have people to look up to, whether it be musicians or composers or whoever, there's, there's, there's like a weird uh, measuring stick that we have. I mean, it's in, it's in any artistic practice, really, um, that we always fall short when we compare. Uh, one, one mentor said, you know, you have to compare and despair. And I love that when you can, when you can compare and despair and then be okay with it and go, it's not as good objectively or subjectively it's not as good and I'm okay with that or taking that critique and going it's not as good how do I make it better either for myself or from like an objective point of view um I love that answer and I also like that you're bringing up the critiquing process because that is involved in a lot of uh arts and I think that's actually really really important because it teaches you it teaches a person how to look objectively at their work instead of getting involved in because I I've talked about this for a lot of people of getting involved or stuck in that mindset that it has to be perfect um it's never going to be perfect usually. <laughs> uh, I think you could get close, but there's always going to be a critique at some point, I think. Or what do you feel? Uh, no, I, I agree with that 100%. Not only the name drops, I'm just saying like somebody. Um, so like I had, I had a mentor lean into me one time and he goes, you're trying to, to find the perfect ratio and the perfect 
um, uh, kind of proportion, I think was, was maybe what I was talking about. And he hits me like very gently, but he hits me like pretty forcefully on the chest and he goes, I want to feel the wound. I want to understand that it was human because we're human and we have these like, you know, these, I don't want to say flaws, but we have these flaws. We have these, um, these characteristics that really make it beautiful. And I, I really, I've always thought of that. And, and for me, it usually comes in the process of, am I overworking this or should I just let it go? I should just feel the wound or hear the wound or see the wound, not because it's gruesome or anything, but like, you know, we don't, there's no such thing as like a perfect whatever um, piece of art. So um, yeah. And what an amazing teaching moment. I mean, he sounds like a wise person because not only did he tell it to you, he he like physically made it memorable too. I bet I'm wondering if you like still feel it in your chest sometimes. Uh, it can really hone in that lesson when there's, you know, you're physically involved as well. Uh, yeah, I, I think the physicality really helped. Um, <laughs> For, for me and I yeah because I still think about that especially in the process of like do I let this go yeah is there going to be a mistake yeah and it comes into my work both as like a concert music or a scoring composer where it's notated and given to oftentimes other people but also in a in a world of like free improvisation where I'm just performing with you know by myself or with others um, in a very free and open way. And we're just kind of like allowing ourselves to enter that state of flow. And uh, when, when I'm on the other end of that teaching, when, I, when I'm teaching or, or you know, um, offering critique or feedback or leading a discussion with, with other musicians, sometimes they'll be like, oh, well, this is the wrong note. And like, it's only wrong for as long as you as long as it exists. And if it exists long enough, it's not the wrong note anymore, right? You can kind of accept it and it becomes normal. Like at some point, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like some, something that's become normal for us, like slang, like mm. the use of, of, of cool or bad or like some kind of slang word that's used not in the standard you know, sense, but like it's become, it's taken on a meaning of its own. Um, so uh, you have to feel the wound. You have to let the wrong notes exist sometimes because sometimes they're the right notes or they'll become the right notes. And especially in music because it happens over time and it unfolds over time in an ideal world. I mean, we, we live in a Spotify world where we can skip around and kind of curate a piece with ourselves uh, however we want. But in an ideal, ideal situation where you're sitting down and listening to something from beginning to end, left to right, whatever um the the musician or composer or artist can decide how that unfolds over time and accepting how those materials are presented i think is um is important and it sounds like there's a there's a connection to the you, you mentioned you're human and uh and showing the wound i mean it's it's like remembering that this music is about connecting to humanity. It's not about being perfect. Right, right. You know, it's it's this like post post maybe like post 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 modernist sense of like not having the the ego of like I'm the great composer or musician. Not not to like you know 
poo-poo on that, but, um, you know, not finding logical and practical and, and I don't want to say, I, I should, I'll rescind that statement, but not finding a way to justify a lot of the art and say like, this is, this is why it is what it is, at least in the like academic, classical, however you want to say it, experimental music world, um, where we existed, you know, 50 or 70 years ago in like a positivist age where we would say, this justifies this, this system of composing is creating this art. And it's great because there's like logic into it. Mm. Um, we can just exist and just make art and allow others to assess whether they like it or not. And in an ideal world where we're open, uh, we can just accept work and enjoy it in that way. Um, and for me, you know, my work is completely tied in cultural identity. And in 2021, more than ever, we're at a place where we're thinking about culture and we're thinking about ethnicity and race and identities and the power struggles or the disparities or, um, you know, all of these things that we're talking about in the, in the like social world, in our cultural world mm -hmm. and how we can represent those musically. And so for me um, to kind of segue into a more, not political, but like political sense, um, I, I usually posit my, my work as being um, liminal and that it's in between two things. I use a lot of microtones, which if we look at a piano would be the notes in between the keys. So okay. instead of 12 notes per octave, I'll use 24 notes per octave. And I'm not the first to do this. I'm not gonna be the last to do this. I just, I use this because I, going back to um, saying I was, a, I was a brown kid that grew up in the South. Yeah. I can't take that out of my work. And I'm a brown kid, I'm uh, still a brown kid who, who's making work in a predominantly white world of classical music. And so, um, I like to say my music is Asian American music and Asian America is not a place that you can point to on a map or draw borders around. It's just wherever the work exists or wherever I'm existing, making the work. Um, and so this, this liminality, this in-betweenness, this uneasy tension is part of that and part of feeling the wound, right? It's sometimes there's no resolve. And because it's a linear thing, it's, it's a temporal art where it happens over time, sometimes that tension is in itself a resolution because we live in it long enough, right? It's kind of like acclimating to something. Um, and I feel like that's what we're doing now, for better or worse, we're acclimating, we're normalizing a lot of positive change, we're also acclimating a lot of negative change, a lot of negative things being said, we're kind of regressing at the same time we're progressing uh, politically in, in the United States in 2021. And that's both, uh, that's really uh, exciting, but also terrifying <laughs> to see how we're not really moving forward, we're moving forward and we're moving backwards. So really it's, we're not moving down the field at all, I don't feel. <laughs> that's Sadly. interesting you brought that up because it remind because I was listening to, 
uh, I believe one of your albums is called Violent Yellow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of the sense that I got from listening to it was, uh, I think I forgot the word you just used, but it was something like terrifying and exciting, I think is at the same time. I didn't think the music was terrifying, but there was like this mixture of like beauty and like this underlying fear slash anger in the background um, or tension. It was a, I, it was a very interesting uh, layer of sounds, but I would love to hear your take on it or what you were uh, trying to express through it. I think that's, uh, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, at least for me, that's, that's what I was trying to portray. Um, you know, music or art or the creative process can be very uh, therapeutic or cathartic. And for me, creating it and layering it in this sense of play um, is quite cathartic. And listening to music like this is quite cathartic. And when we think about how music can be used, uh, in a, I don't want to say like a mood altering way, but in like, we can set the vibe for feeling sad. We can lean into that and listen to sad music, or we can try to pump ourselves out of it and listen to like more joyous music. Um, but for me, it's again, going back to capturing that, that moment or moments in time or how I'm feeling right now, um, which is feeling as though I'm in between something. I'm in between worlds. I'm in between spaces. Um, oftentimes, especially with Violent Yellow, there I'm in between, I don't want to say mediums, but in between mediums where there's a lot of digitally created sounds and there's a lot of analog sounds. I mean, there's piano in it that's unaltered, and then there's piano that is completely obliterated with processing, guitar, there's cello, there's like objects that are not traditionally musical objects that are used that are digitally warped. And so it's kind of straddling the line between two things. And um, uh, somebody reviewed the, the album a while ago, a couple, so at some point they, they reviewed the album and said, and I'm paraphrasing, but I really, I really appreciated the words that they said it was uh, equal parts unsettling and calming. And I was like, oh, that's, that's good. That is this like, feeling the wound, but also being in between. And that's, that is an emotion. You don't, it's not, there's no pure one way or the other. We can, we can have complex emotions. We can have layered emotions. We can have uh, a representation of this with like layered sound and atmosphere and texture and timbre. Um, That's for me, what I want to get out of the music. And it's not always the most enjoyable thing to listen to, but there's something in it that I enjoy. And, and I think there's something in it that a lot of people who look like me and feel like me enjoy too. Um, if we allow ourselves to be open and vulnerable to that art. Yes. And I, it's as you're talking too, and as I'm thinking about the, about the music, like, and I know you mentioned the political atmosphere, it's almost like if you took what's going on in the world and, and translated it through music, like, what you produced would be like because there's so much going on (laughs) you know there is there's beauty there's crappiness there's not fun to look at or think about things um all mixed together so what you're doing I think is um authentic and it really touches upon the times and it's also like 
I don't I want to say groundbreaking but that's like that's me talking ignorantly I'm not I don't know I'm not up to date in the music world you're way more (laughs) in touch with that than I am but it's it's just like it's you're not limiting yourself to any one way of expressing it I love that you're using all those different sounds and tones um do you want to say would you how could you say for people that look like me do you want to talk more about that how is there a certain is there any one feeling or any one thought that you really want to pronounce more than others I think that in betweenness um that a lot of us feel that I feel I I won't speak for anybody else I'll just speak for me and that, that I feel of you know, like America being my home, but not really feeling at home here. Mm. Um, you know, you know, as a little kid being told, like, go back to where you came from. And it's like, well, this is, you know, I'm like, I'm like seven years old. Like, I don't really know. <laughs> I was like, uh, like, you mean down the street? You know, like, oh. you don't really process that until later on in life. And you don't really realize how impactful that is um, and how it affects kind of your daily choices. Uh it affects how you speak. It affects what clothes you wear. It affects how you drive your car. Um, it affects how you talk about things. Um, I mean, you know, I have plenty of awful stories existing in the, the like classical music world and just just blatantly terrible things that have been said within the last few years. It's not like I grew up in in the fifties or something where it's like that was. Well, I guess it's just as much of the norm now as it was back then. Um, But, you know, this resistance to gatekeepers and this resistance to uh, people who don't want to see the advancement of this music, it can exist outside of that or it can exist with like one foot in the door, but still being kept at a distance. So it's in between. It's not fully one way or the other. It exists on the spectrum between tone and noise. It exists in this kind of static world, but there's moments of clarity. There's, or it exists in a clear world where there's moments of static. However you want to see it, it exists um, in the meaning of two things uh, somehow. <laughs> right. I think that's, uh, but I also, I love that you're talking about this, even though it, I mean, it can be a hard topic, but I love that you're bringing this to the forefront because I, you know, there's, there's news stories and there's information about this happening in, you know, schools and in jobs and, but I don't hear a lot about it in the music world. So I, I'm glad that you're shining a light on it and, and letting people know more about this. Uh, I think it's super important people, um, hear about this and but I also love your reaction to it you're like okay this is happening and I'm going to make music about it (laughs) I can't not make music about it um number one and number two it's you know I I, I'm I'm pretty opinionated I'm not um I shouldn't say I'm opinionated I I have I'm outspoken about how I feel about this and I've definitely been black blacklisted by by certain organizations and people that just don't like to hear something as simple as representation matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, that's my political stance is representation matters. When I was a kid, there weren't 
you know, I, I can you name outside of like maybe Bruno Mars or something, but like a Filipino musician or composer? Um, and the answer is, I don't know. Um, mm. When I ask anybody that, they, they say, I don't know. And I'm like, you know, I couldn't either until I really dug. And even, even then, I, I don't know that many. Um, and so it's a, it's a matter of how do we inspire younger people or people aspiring to get in this field to get in the field? It starts in two ways, the chicken or the egg. Do we have leaders of color um, or, or leaders of historically marginalized groups? You know, the election of Kamala Harris is big for so many reasons because so many young women can go, I can do this now. Mm-hmm. And, and people like kind of roll their eyes at it, but it's like, until you're in that position and you're surrounded by, you know, people that don't look like you and treat you differently, you're like, can I ever do this? And um, whether it's conscious or subconscious. And so you have to fight your way through that. And you feel, again, like you're in between. You feel like um, you're in this waiting room that, that you can't get into, but you can hear the party going on next door. Um, and it's just, it's not the most pleasant feeling, but it's like, you might as well lean into it and, and make work about it because there's something horrible in it, but there's something beautiful in it too. And it's a special experience. And it's for me to say that it's all negative is a lie. There's something kind of cool about being an outsider. Um, when we look at music specifically, you're saying you're, like, you're not hearing much about it in the musical world. And whether we want to admit it in the, in the classical musical world or not, the majority of music performed by orchestras and chamber music organizations and even like solo artists like pianists and things like that is music by dead white Europeans. So that's what I'm aspiring to, to be a dead white European. Well, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm none of those things. Um, <laughs> so how can I break in there? How do we have representation when the standard is something that I'm not and you're not allowing people that are like me at the table, we have to exist outside. Going back to like affirming this, like we're outside of this, that's okay. We can make our own avenue. Um, and maybe it'll be accepted at one point. I think it is. Um, yeah, and I think you, by just doing what you're doing, uh, is uh, like you were talking about just showing up and showing that this exists. Like there, there isn't just one way to do it or one type of person that can do it. Like all types of people can do this. And just by doing what you love and, and sticking with it and being conscious about it while also enjoying yourself um i just i think you're you're vibrating on a very high vibration there for lack of a better word but um which helps yourself and others at the same time which i think is key whether that's your intention or not but it sounds like it is uh i think that you're you're just very powerful person and um that what you're doing i think is going to help a lot um have you ever had any feedback from other people about what you're doing in that regards? Like, yes, thank you for, for. Uh, yeah, th- thanks for your, your kind words about that. Um, uh, yeah, on both ends of the spectrum, uh, I, I left Facebook a couple of years ago uh, because it, that was one platform where I could share beliefs and, and facts and figures and statistics and stories. And I would share other people's stories and I would try to amplify 
these issues and also provide like positive things about it too. Like here's an opportunity, here's something that we can do. Um, and having conversations, I guess I, I won't share too many stories and I'll try to be like, like pretty discreet about them. But, um, you know, I've, I've straight up gotten death threats um, for saying something like, we should have more diverse composers or musicians or artists in this X, Y, or Z, this like event or something. And straight up death threats, like email, text, phone call, Facebook message, um, whatever direct message. So, uh, you know, I've, I've been like less active on that and more just in person, more just one-on-one, more in um, more accepting environments like this or controlled environments where um, you're not going to get that. But for, for every thousand, every hundred of those, you know, you get a couple like, thanks for sticking up for this. Thank you for saying that, Um, you know, hopefully things change or thank you for sharing your story. Like, and this is my story of one instance. And sometimes it's their first time sharing that story with somebody. And you know, I'll take that, I'll take one of those for, for dozens and dozens of, of like negative things and hate, because um, that's what matters. And that's, and that's not the virtue signal or like to my own horn or something, but it's like, I've been on that end too, where I've told somebody like, thanks for sharing that. It, it, it's so prevalent. And for every story that is being shared, such as, you know, for every podcast that, that somebody's sharing a story, even as discreet as that, as, uh, as I did. There's thousands of other stories that aren't going to be shared, sometimes for safety, sometimes because it's just personal, um, sometimes because they don't have access to share the story. And so it's 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 up to us in whatever capacity we have to share these stories and not make people feel bad if we're complicit in systemic racism or institutional bias. But to say, like, this is a problem. How can we address it? We have to do more than just saying that's bad and moving on. We have to amplify those voices we have to take um take that initiative uh, to provide seats at the table or more importantly voices at the table and sometimes those conversations are uncomfortable i think most of the time they are and that's okay um speaking from as a male-bodied individual like i have male fragility there's times when when women will will say something to me and i'm like oh my god that was not okay that I thought or said or reacted in that way and there's nothing wrong with that happening as long as I move on from it and learn from it Mm because people make mistakes it's feeling the wound like we're you know going back to that we're we're human and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging bias as long as we can move on from it and address it and correct it and fortunately there is a lot of ground to cover um, as we see in you know, last year was a, a great example. So many statistics came out in terms of violence, in terms of hiring, in terms of like every aspect. And it's like, what is this, 1940? Like, are we, <laughs> have we really not grown? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there is one thing as you're talking that I was visualizing the, and uh, well, I think it's all connected. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't mean to like go back, but I do at the same time. The the violent yellow, the color yellow, I know I'm assuming is pretty conscious uh, picking that color because it's like, I got the feeling that you feel, maybe you feel like you can only express yourself to some extent, like you can't be like outlandish or else something will happen. Um, 
and as you're talking, I can't. I'm still also still processing that processing that you got death threats. Like I'm that you just blew <laughs> blew my world there. I'm so sorry that has happened, but it also kind of solidifies to me that what you're doing is great. That what you're doing, you know, if you're getting that much of a pushback from some people, they're scared. I don't know why or what, but um, so I was wondering, do you do you ever feel that you can only express so, so much in certain situations that we're still in that world where you're not safe to express except through your music? I think yes and no. Um, I think, you know, and it's not like, I don't have any delusions of grandeur or anything. I don't think like my music is getting out there and performed all the time or listened to a lot or consumed a lot, but it's like in whatever capacity I have, I might as well use it. It's my job to use it. And it's not everyone's job to use it. Like if, if they don't choose that, that's fine. But um, I speak out less. It's funny because, you know, with the pandemic and stuff, we, we have to do things more online. I'm, I'm a lot less active online and more active in person. Um, and I do think I shoot myself in the foot or put my foot in my mouth or I do something wrong with my foot when I speak out at my own um detriment like I may sacrifice an opportunity for myself and I don't have a martyr complex or anything but I needed to say something because it was egregious in order for that conversation to happen mm. um, you know and and there's plenty where I have lived where I do live I've definitely burned some bridges but if me literally saying something as simple as we need more racial representation among the arts here if that is controversial then I'll be controversial and if you're going to say this is ridiculous you're you're being ludicrous then I'll be ludicrous and if I if I burn the bridge for saying that then the bridge wasn't there to begin with so I'm okay burning like nothing <laughs> yeah you know or if you're going to accept me conditionally um I interviewed for a tenure track position at a decent sized state school. I mean, not like a huge state school, but a university of uh, state, blank state. And um, I walked into the interview and, and they, one person looked at me and said, so you're the diversity candidate. And that immediately just told me, you're not gonna be, you know, this is, this is a, an obligated interview. You're the best of the brown people. We did it to meet quota. We're not gonna give you the job. I did the interview, I didn't let it phase me. I didn't get the job, um, but just sometimes you can be accepted conditionally and, and that means the bridge isn't there. Sometimes people just want you to shut up and not say anything. And that really kind of means the bridge isn't there or it's like a begrudging bridge. Mm -hmm. So I'm okay just speaking out. I'm okay doing that in person. I'm okay doing that with music. Um, you know, I, I, I think anybody can consume any art. I think music is for everyone, no matter what kind of music. I think art is for everyone if you're open to it. But unfortunately, if you're, if you're closed off to these issues or if you're closed off to this perspective, then it's not gonna be for you and that's okay. Um, it's a journey to get to acceptance. It's a journey to get to openness and we don't all arrive. I'm still on a journey. Like we're all on a journey to get there and um, it's okay if it takes people some time. It's okay if they shut out. It's okay if they don't want to be around you. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe at some time they'll come around. Um, maybe they won't, and that's their problem. Um, but it's 
you know, going back to like growing up as a brown kid in the South, um, I had to compromise so much of myself and and change a lot of who I was, who I, how I presented. Um, there is like a strong Philippine culture because uh, of, of skin lightening because we were a Spanish colony for like 400 years and I definitely use skin lightening soaps and there's parts of my body that are always gonna be a little discolored from that. Um, and it's a practice and it's not a good practice. It's a very negative colorist practice. Um, but I'm done compromising who I am, what I believe. And because it's so intrinsically like interwoven into my music, I can't sit there and say like, I'm gonna hold my tongue. Mm. No, I can't hold my tongue because my music is about this. So if you're not gonna accept me with this quote unquote baggage, then, you know, okay. I'll burn the bridge. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that answered your question. Yes, definitely. I think it's very well said. Uh, and I was wondering too, because I'm, I'm hearing such a, res not only resilience, but you're like, okay, well, this isn't working and that's okay. Like uh, there's resilience I'm hearing, acceptance of some acceptance, but also still focused on, on changing or helping the world change, um, which I think can be, a hard line to to straddle there but I'm wondering does the creative process or being so used to the creative process help you with all of this at all or how does that influence you or have you learned anything from it uh again I think it's just a cathartic or therapeutic thing um but also how do you represent um and with that with those two goals in mind of this is for me to do in order to get these feelings out. And this is also for me to share if I choose to share the product, you know, the end result. It's not a, you don't necessarily want to call it a product, but like what you created, how can you share that and what can it do positively, negatively, neutrally? Can it be cathartic for somebody else? Um, and on some level that matters and on some level it doesn't matter. Um, I don't know if that quite answers uh, your, your question but uh well I think in one way I think at the other the other side of it I was wondering if like the process itself of like because in the creative process you're you know if something doesn't like making mistakes is is usually part of it and and being let down <laughs> from what the you know that maybe the music that you hear in your head to how it comes out can be part of it. Uh, so I was wondering if just that element helps you navigate these uh, kind of outside uh, influences and, and politics that are going on in the world. Sure, I think it, it, it pushes acceptance. It pushes, um, you know, feeling the wound, <laughs> kind of leaning into it, being present, being conscious, being creative. You know, not being oblivious to what's happening, but internalizing it and realizing that things are out of your control. So how can you, and I don't want to like imply that music is a way to like get that control out, but it's a way for me to use materials that I love, that I'm familiar with, that I feel like I can utilize in some way to make something I think is for me at least positive, out of it. Um, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a coping mechanism, but but not a coping mechanism, if that kind of answers your question. Yes. And yeah. like helps a little bit. Um, 
yeah, catharsis, I think is, is often, if I'm feeling uninspired, I'm like, I need some catharsis. So I'll just go and record or make or just live in, in sound a little bit. I think I know exactly, well, I, at least from my perception of it, uh, for what you're talking about it, I usually tend to go, go towards the, the visual arts, um, but it's, when you're in that cathartic mode, it's just like, it can be very, um, it's like, oh, I can just, I, it's almost like that element or that media that you're working with is the only media that you can really say what you need to say, whether it's music, visual arts, writing, I find that sometimes, you know, one or the other or dancing, you know, whatever your thing is, it, I, it's like, sometimes for me, it's the only way I can get out what I, I need to get out. And sometimes it looks good. And sometimes it doesn't, but it, that really wasn't the point. It was just to express it. Um, and I'm wondering if that's similar to what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the earlier kind of conversation we had about judgment like it looks good to who is it look good does it look good to you maybe it looks good enough but to somebody it's like that's I'm feeling that mm -hmm. you know that's I needed to see that or I needed to hear that um and accepting and being vulnerable I think when we share our work uh whether it be like hanging it on the wall in a gallery or or however you install it or performing it or having it go out online like there's a vulnerability to it um for us to have other people listen to it so we feel like it has to be at this level or that level or you know for a lot of people in my field like it has to be as good as this dead white european and it's like well, no it doesn't it can it can be if you're happy with it put it out there not everyone's gonna love it and that's okay um but it could it, it could resonate with a lot of people and that's also okay Yes, and I want to kind of go over the, the answers you had towards, I asked everyone these questions about creativity, and I love what you wrote, um, and, I th and I think as you were talking, you've touched base with a lot of it, but I'd love to share these if you don't mind. Sure, yeah. So the, the first question was, what is creativity? And you said, for me, creativity is an approach to everyday life. I think that everyone is creative regardless of training or occupation. We all are capable of finding original or unique solutions to problems and we all express ourselves in original ways. And I think as you're talking and, and you're, uh, when you, even when you say, you know, I did this out of, just cause I needed to, do something cathartic. Like, I don't, I don't think a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people are so disconnected from their creative selves. They don't even realize that it can be just used for cathartic reasons. Like it doesn't have to be to, to do, to show to other people, but is there anything you wanted to add to that? Or how else do you feel about that? I, um, I think you you hit the nail on the head is, is that people are disconnected from their creative selves or they they don't want to acknowledge it. But my question to you is, have you ever turned on the radio in your car and heard a song that you really like? Mm -hmm. Of course, right? Have you ever gone, oh man, I really wish that the chorus repeated one more time. <laughs> right, or, or there's another, like, yeah. There's something changed in it. Well, you just became a composer, right? You decided how to, in this case, compose something. 
So you could very well write your own music. I mean, you don't have to know what the note names are. You could hum something, you could take tape recorders and record people's conversations at a flea market and then layer things on top of that. And that's music or whatever. You're making these conscious creative decisions. But the question that I'll ask you, um, cause I, I'm curious to see what you think is what's the difference between what is, cre how do you label somebody as being creative? Is it the use of imagination or is it the expression of those imaginative things? I do think it's both. I think, uh, I honestly, I have a very like, I guess, basic sense of creativity. Cause I feel like when a person wakes up and goes about their day, like they are creating their day. They are, it's just a, it's, it's choices they make throughout the day. Now, how imaginative you can get with those choices I think is up to you. And then you're tapping into even more of your creative self. And I think that's where we're really disconnected is that we don't feel like, or a lot of people don't feel like being imaginative in those little everyday tasks is worth it or practical. Uh, but I think that it is very um worth it in a lot of ways because then you're expanding your world and you're changing your world in ways you didn't even know could exist like other possibilities pop up when you start thinking in that way uh and i don't mean to go on but i i have an example like once i started thinking of this way in myself like i i see people walk around every day and i'm like why are we just walking like from point a to point b nobody's skipping nobody's like dancing <laughs> like and so I challenged myself one day when I was walking down the street listening to music and a song came on that I really enjoyed and I felt my body like really wanting to move to it and I was like you know what this is one of those moments that I'm talking about like I can choose to just walk down the street and create you know this is creating but I can also choose to acknowledge how I really feel and how I really want to express myself so I started dancing while walking and it felt amazing <laughs> that's awesome so yeah I like what you said about like it's everyday choices I, I carried groceries into you know my place yesterday and I had to fumble around for my keys and of course because we all do this we all want to just carry everything in one trip yes I had like 50 bags and I put like a bag in between my knees and I was like well that's not how bags work that's creative that's the creative solution there's two there's two things that um, I think make, for me, the, the best kind of composers, the best is like totally subjective, but they're really good listeners and they're even better problem solvers because they're good listeners. So creativity for me is, is a little bit about um, empathy and problem solving. And I think those two things are, you need to have a little bit of both in order to really have them be effective. Um, if that helps like further clarify my my answer yes yeah. definitely thank you so much uh the next one what do you love about creative or creativity and you said i love the freedom that creativity brings when creative people i.e all people feel liberated to express themselves then we have a larger capacity for empathy which i i love that you you, you know you're empathy is a big thing for you creativity allows people to be more open-minded and appreciative when i see or hear or experience someone else's creative expression i feel more connected to the world around me 
So when you're talking about feeling more connected to the world around you, do you think that fosters empathy, that connection? I think so. Um, if you really are in tune with, and, and by in tune, I mean like you're open to another person's creative expression uh, or their artistic expression, then you're stepping into their world for a brief moment. And if you can really allow yourself to be vulnerable and laugh or cry or be scared or something, then um, it's a collaborative effort to experience art. So it takes empathy. I, I think about like a sad, like I watched a sad movie yesterday and it was like, you know, I, I got to live in that moment for a little bit or I like, I like scary movies. I like horror. So if I feel scared, like the, the creators of that movie, the directors and screenwriters and all of that were able to tap into that experience for me. And on the flip side, I was able to give myself for that 90 minutes or whatever to allow my emotions to be vulnerable enough to experience that fright or whatever. So empathy for me is crucial. And I, I, I fail at this all the time. So I'm trying to fail forward and um, become more empathetic. And that doesn't mean like, like wildly emotional about things. It's just, you know, I didn't cry in the movie last night. Not that I'm opposed to crying, but like I felt, I felt the emotions there. If it was a heavy thing and it was, I don't always jump when I'm scared, but you, know, you watch a scary movie and it, it startles you, even if you don't embody it completely. Empathy is important. I guess I could have just said that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you hate about creativity? You said, I love creativity and everything about it. However, I do not like when people approach the creative arts or expression with a list of do's and don'ts. Creativity should not be restricted or based in shame or failure, only inspiration. Can you say more about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that goes back to number one, gatekeepers. And um, so having to compromise in order to achieve advancement or acceptance, we shouldn't have to compromise our art in order to get, you know, um, an opportunity or a job, uh, uh, whatever. That being said, if it's a collaborative thing, then you're collaborating, you're not sacrificing, you know, if I'm composing something and somebody says, well, that's not x y or z then you know i i need to address that in some way um i don't like to live in a creative world of do's and don'ts in terms i said i don't like to but i don't like to uh live in a world full of don'ts where something is valued as being better um because it, it follows some rule like a theoretical rule that applies to 18th century music or uh some kind of unofficial suggested rule. I like um, in a lot of my scores for concert music, I'll do like weird orchestrations. They've been done before. It's not like I'm groundbreaking in that way, but like they're not the traditional way that Brahms or somebody would use it. Um, and I feel like it creates a unique timbre and it has a purpose. However, you might look at it by you. I mean, like somebody might look at the score and be like, that's not going to sound, uh, that's not going to sound powerful or that's going to sound too loud for this quiet section so give it a chance <laughs> give it a chance it might work and, and sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't um so yeah I guess that's I, uh, 
a world of anything is possible is, is great. And I think that you're revisiting uh, a point that Yen made earlier is about judging, like, you know, don't judge it until you've heard it and then we can talk about it. <laughs> uh, but well, the, there's some things that need that, like, like if you spell, or, or, or like some basic communicative skills with a written score, right? Like there's a difference between C sharp and D flat. It's the same note, but they function differently. And, and to a performer who's viewing that, that pitch, um, it affects the, how effective they may be able to interpret and perform it as they're reading it. So there's, there's like grammar with music that I think, okay, that's a rules of do and don't that I think is, are okay. Or with recording technology, like you don't want to clip, you don't want to have a bad signal, unless you do, or you, you know, there's, there's ways to achieve it. There's ways to break the rules, quote unquote rules. And sometimes those guidelines are really helpful. And that's where I think critique is really, really necessary, where it's like, the idea is great. The means of communication could be clearer. Um, so cleaning that up, but anything goes really aesthetically and conceptually. So the last question is, where is your creativity? My creativity exists wherever I am currently. As of right now, I live in North Carolina. So it's in North Carolina right now. Is it still there? <laughs> I don't know. I think with the, uh, with the pandemic, it's anywhere. It's, it's wherever. Uh, right. It's, it's somewhere in the digital abyss, maybe. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking. Where, did, where, where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me on um, my personal website, which is joshuamarquez.com. Um, I don't have Facebook, but I have Instagram at Joshua Marquez Music. And um, I have a band camp, uh, which you can find from my website and Instagram linked and then spotify if you search my name on spotify uh, a lot of my music is up there not all of it but um, a good bit of it is available for free on spotify or if you have a paid subscription or whatever nice. um, and apple music and youtube and all of that stuff all of them you know all the streaming services you could find some of my work A huge thank you to Joshua Marquez for being a guest on the show. The, I enjoyed our conversation and thought that it was eye-opening and informative and uh, vulnerable. That's the word I was looking for. There is, there is a vulnerability to it, which Joshua brought. And listeners, if you haven't already, please check out his album, Violent Yellow. And of course, the links to that and his website and all his other social media will be in the description box to this podcast. In addition, I'm including a link to Asian Americans Advancing Justice to help people who want to get involved. So thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.